Hello, peeps. Welcome to Shit, I Just Quit My Job. My name is Maricela Herrera, and I'm so happy you're here with me. You know, sometimes you meet someone and you immediately think, I'm going to be friends with this person. <laughs> or this person is someone I can actually talk to and relate with. I think that's a little bit of what happened with me and the person you're going to listen to today. I don't know if he thinks the same way, so maybe he's listening to this and laughing, but that's okay. He was introduced to me by one of my really good friends, someone who you actually already heard from in this podcast. And so the fact that she introduced us for the purpose of the podcast, I was sure it was going to be someone I would have lots of things to talk about with. Today, you'll hear from Enrique Carral Trevino. He's a former consultant, a tech entrepreneur, an opera singer, a creative mind, and from what I can tell, a pretty deep thinker. I really enjoyed this conversation. We actually talked for a really long time, so I did my best to condense this interview. I'm going to keep this short, or I'm trying to keep this intro short, because It is a long one, but it is it is very well worth it. I really, you know, when you talk to someone and realize that they have stopped to examine their life and really dig deep to understand what their true nature is, and you literally ask them that, you just know you're going to have a lot to talk about and you're going to have a good time. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and I'll see you next time. So how about you start by introducing sure. yourself? I'm Enrique. I'm from Mexico City. And now I live in Houston. But about more about me, I'm a chemical engineer. I've been a consultant. I've been a business developer. been an entrepreneur. I'm, I've done strategy for a long time as well. I've lived in the Americas, in Europe, and in Asia. I did a little bit of volunteering in Africa as well. I, I love to travel. My big passion is opera. So I take voice lessons on the side. I love nature, so I do hiking a lot as well. I think you're one of those people from what we talked about before that I identify with. And I think there's some of us out there who are very both left and right brain. Like you are a chemical engineer or consultant, very much about strategy, but also opera and writing and all these other more artistic pursuits. I like that. I'm that type of person I consider myself. So I think it'll be fun to explore both and how both of them have kind of looped yeah. in your journey. Where do we start? Because you've gone through a few transitions, geographic, career. I know you took a sabbatical, which I really want to talk about. So can we start with what you would say has been your biggest point of change when it comes to your work life let's mm -hmm. go from there yeah so so my biggest point of change with respect to my work life was was to start a company what were you doing before basically i spent eight years in the u.s studying and working and i moved to london for two and then i did four in korea 
uh, working with strategy and business development. Just to clarify, because I do think size of companies are important. You were working for Samsung. Right. That's Sorry, I thought I, I thought either you or me had said it. Yeah, Samsung. So huge company, yes. Uh, the plan for Samsung in doing that program is, is really to attract foreign talent. Like about 10% of the people that join this program stay doing internal consulting. The rest would go and transition to some any Samsung company, be it in Korea or abroad. So for me, I transitioned to Samsung Electronics doing a global account management for, you know, about 20, 20 huge, like Fortune 500 companies. This was, this was really crazy. That's a lot. 20. This is what it was, but in execution, it was impossible. They were starting this, this global account, account management team back then and started four years before I joined with some of the people from this global strategy group. I, I joined and it was, and it was pretty cool and crazy because you know there was zero trading honestly i didn't even own a samsung phone even in those two years in great so yeah all of a sudden I'm, i have this role and i'm supposed to like go see clients in the u.s uh, these were all u.s accounts so i had and i had walmart coca-cola i mean it's insane right it, it, it was ridiculous but they were learning and they were just throwing us into it basically my director i remember him telling me yeah, you just go and see clients. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, Korea relationships are huge. Kind of like in Latin America, but probably even more. Okay. Well, they wanted us to create relationships. I mean, the objective was to get to the CIOs and CTOs of, of Fortune 500 companies. So three weeks later, I'm sitting in Bentonville with Walmart with a team of six people that I assembled, that I had just met, including obviously the, the local account um, that, that knew much more what they were doing than I did. I felt like, shit, I need to prepare for like, like this is crazy, right? And like, and, and I, I actually went and bought a used Samsung phone just to be able to kind of, you know, pull it out of my, my, my pocket and like have a Samsung phone and actually also to learn how it worked, like everything, right? And I was reading all these presentations about product and all this stuff. So anyways, fast forward three or four months and I'm like, okay, now I know what I'm doing. And they actually eliminated the team and spent like two months from here and there. And that's when I made a call. So, so I felt so frustrated that, that, you know, I had worked so hard to prepare for this. Now I thought I, I knew what I was doing and I felt like I, you know, I had a plan, et cetera. And then they killed the team, no questions asked, and you're going to move to this and then move you again. Like for two months, there was kind of full chaos. So that's when I made the call. I, I always knew kind of in the back of my mind, maybe from how I was raised, whatever, that I wanted to have a company at some point. So I was like, okay, well, this is it. I'm going to quote unquote quit Samsung. I kind of quit, but basically I was going to let my, my contract go to the end, right? Which was a year later. So what I did at that point is start preparing how am I going to actually start a company? And so I did a whole year of, you know, exploration into what I cared, where I would do it, uh, preparing the project, et cetera. And a year later, I was in Houston attending a coding bootcamp because this is this was my project to start a coding bootcamp. And I wanted to be a student first. So I did it for four months here in Houston. And then I moved to Mexico City to start this this coding academy. Like you always knew you were going to start something else or you had always had it in your mind. Yeah. What had stopped you? From doing it before I, just paradigms you know sometimes you grow up with this mm -hmm. paradigms like you maybe what i saw always like uh company owners were like you know the dads of our friends and all this stuff so 
I probably never thought about it. And and I guess the startup thing, yeah, it was there. This is we're talking 2012 when I graduated from the MBA. So yeah, it, it was there in Mexico much less. When I was in New York in consulting right before the MBA, very few talk about startups in the MBA. There was, I mean, I, maybe it was the, where I was moving, right? I was just you know working like crazy, doing, you know, uh-huh. uh, corporate clients. So maybe I just just was not really. Uh, immersed in it. It's interesting because I think in our culture in Latin America, I think that's very true. I, I, I like you see older people. I think, and I think it's changing. But like when I lived it, in, and I'm lying because in El Salvador, I saw some of my friends try to start companies, but they always failed. So it was like, why would I go do that? And then in Mexico, I didn't see that much when I lived there. Um, and then once you go into something like consulting, or for me that I went into banking, you kind of see the the progression of it. You don't necessarily kind of explore on the other side that much. However, that's what stopped you. But what what was that desire coming from? Like, was it I want to own something that's mine or I my my current desire, which is I don't want to work for anyone else? <laughs> yeah. I'm more, yeah. So I, I understand that. But back then, I think my dad programmed me. <laughs> yeah. I, I got the idea for an MBA when I was 12 and we were playing golf and my dad started telling me this story about, oh, the, 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 the son of my friend, he's now in New York. He just finished the MBA and I didn't why you and he's living, he's earning all this money and living in New York. And, and he spoke in some way like, you know, that was like, whoa, and that just stuck. And so since then I, I knew I would do an MBA, then I did challenge it to myself when I was in consulting. I said, mm-hmm. I remember saying, hey, like, maybe I should just like specialize more in like some some more technical thing and go back to like do a chemical engineering degree or like advanced degree or something. But then I spoke to a to a senior consultant that I that I that I thought was great. And, and she said, well, what do you want to do uh, later? Mm-hmm. She asked me some question around that. Maybe she asked directly, do you ever want to have your own company? The point is that we talked about having my own company. And she said, oh, if you want to be a CEO or if you want to start a company, then, you know, an MBA might be good because first of all, in order to raise money, you're going to have to have like a, it's going to help a lot if you have like an MBA and a good school. And uh, yeah, and uh, she probably mentioned the network and then. It was also, yeah, I mean, those were the strongest. Maybe she she mentioned, or I also thought that it was important to take all these classes of business that I, even though I wasn't consulting, you, you, at least by then I was focusing on certain parts of business, like marketing I had never touched. And I felt like mm-hmm. to do that. So, but yeah, for, on her side, it was, yeah, raising capital is going to be tough if you don't have like a good, yeah, just a good stamp or something like that. And maybe she said that. I knew I was going to have, I was going to do a master's when I was probably around 10, 12, which for me actually was really hard afterwards because I had this goal in my mind for so long that once it was done, I was like, oh, no, 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 now what? Right. <laughs> so you never, you, you never actually like, you never challenged it. You never thought, hey, like maybe I don't know. Nope, not at all. Yeah. The only thing I challenged was I... My dream school was the school you went to. Really? And for like, yep, one word. So many years, like so many years, I was like, I'm going to LBS. That's that's it. That's it. There's no other school I'm going to. That's it. My boss at the time at the bank, 
he challenged it. She's like, you're closing your door because you're not applying to like the other nine of the top 10. Like, right. Anyway, so Samson, how do you go from this isn't what I signed up for to I'm going back to my home country and starting a business? <laughs> yeah. So those happen at very different okay. times for me. So because because I spent like four times, four months like researching and then I decided to, to going to Mexico. I was I was just so frustrated, you know, I was like and it was chaos for two months and just going, you know, from from this team to the other team and saying like, excuse my nerves, but like, fuck this. <laughs> and, and in the end, we I ended up in a team that was actually quite, quite good. I mean, quote unquote good, because it was a little still disorganized and things, but I ended up three months later, I was switching to partner management and I did global partnership management for, for like a year until I, I quit or my contract finished, which was typically renewed. So it can be seen as quitting. Actually. Okay. And this global partnership management was actually kind of cool. Like we ended up working with, with Oracle and I had to learn more about actual product. I had to actually develop partnerships, which is very interesting. I think it's even more interesting than, than sales actually it was, you know, work with software makers and say, hey, you guys have this software, we have this hardware, we go together, we we make it uh, work together in some good way. We come up with a marketing plan and a sales plan and we go to market together. And so I learned quite a bit. But by that time, I was already, it was past, you know, I was already decided. But when I decided, I was like, what is this? You know, so very frustrated. I think frustration is, is, is the main the, the main reason, and since I had that in the back of my mind, it was maybe a day or two or something, you know, like I'm max a week, I would say, that I said, you know what, this is probably the time. And then I just started waking up early, yeah, to to read, because I thought I said, okay, education, yeah, education is kind of my thing. And from there, you know, one lead, one thing leads to the next, and then I discovered boot camps, and then I started doing calls with people in Mexico. And so at some point around there, after reading about it a couple months, like maybe it wasn't back on my mind at the time, but I was like, where, you know, where do I do this? And Mexico made a lot of sense because I could have impact. I had, yeah, immigration wise, you know, I can just go to Mexico and do everything. In Korea, I would have to figure it out. If I went to, I thought about Singapore, Singapore, I would have to figure that out. So I just kind of also wanted to make it simple and also I, re I remember I took some, a class in, in at LVS about entrepreneurship that that was it was entrepreneurship in emerging market mm. and it was all about you know using the edge you have as somebody that has been a, abroad and you know learning from the world and coming back to still having a strong network locally but having all these best practices from outside and having things so that was was something about that that I was like yeah you know I probably have a, an edge in Mexico. So that makes sense. And also, I mean, you mentioned it before about like having an impact. And I do think you can make a lot of more impact when you come back to places like that. I think about it in El Salvador, except El Salvador is such a small market. It doesn't really make sense. Then very hard to actually make the full call because I never saw myself going back. So I did a trip to Mexico for two weeks in like September of that year. So I, this is January. I do all the research. I decide coding boot camps in May. And then in, in September, I do, I do a trip to do research, but also to say, hey, like, I'm actually doing, doing this. And you were still in Korea by then? Or were you back in... Yes. Oh, you're still in Korea. Okay. In Korea. So this is, yeah, this is 
2015 January, I didn't leave Samsung until 20, until 2016 March. So it was in the making for a year and a half or so. Yeah. I want to go into the next part because I find it fascinating when you talk, when we talked about it. So you go back, you start your boot camp. you were in the U.S., you did some boot camp. So you actually, just like you bought your Samsung phone, you went to the U.S., you did your boot camp, and now you go to Mexico and are like, okay, starting this thing. I guess I have, it's a, it's a two -parter. One is like, what was it that you found the hardest when you were starting? But also on the other flip side, what was it that kept you going? Either, either everything was hard or I didn't even think about it. Like, I didn't think about it for two seconds about it being hard. Ah. I was just going like crazy. But, but you know, if I actually do analyze, probably the hardest was to figure out who to ask for help uh, in things like, you know, where, where am I going to do this, this boot camp? So I had this idea of starting in a co-working space because that's how boot camps in the U.S. had started, at least a couple I saw. So... Yeah, going, going and, you know, getting the contacts and meeting the people. I mean, I guess that's not that hard. In the end, you, I just call here and there, but... It is hard, I think. Everything is hard in the sense that, in the sense that nothing is constructed. So everything you're doing, you're building something new and figuring one more thing out that you have not done. Now, if I, if I think about the actual business, what the hardest piece was to choose the right students... And definitely the Achilles heel of the Achilles heel of the business was to get financing for those students. That was really hard. And that was one of the main reasons why we decided to stop. But but in terms of like when I was starting, like it, I guess everything was just like, you know. But I had such strong conviction about doing it that I I, I never doubted like anything. How? Like that's my like that's what I'm struggling with. So I see and I know people who have started their business and are successful and have done it. And yet for me, every time I think about like trying to start something like, but how am I going to keep myself going? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard to think about like not giving up. So you're, you're thinking like, keep yourself going in the sense of just keep trying or in the sense of like, what's going to happen with my money? Like, no, no, just keep trying or just like keep figuring out what's next, like the next step. Cause I feel like when you're doing something like that, but you're looking like one or two steps forward, you can't look very much more than that, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. So, so, so for me, the, one of the best decisions I did, and this was one of the calls I had with people in Mexico, somebody connected me to this guy in Monterrey that was doing like ventures and things. And I said, hey, I'm struggling with whether I should do a bootcamp first or not myself. He's like, no question about it. You yes, should do it. Do it. And, and he's the one who pushed me like across the edge. And that was basically, you have no idea how much that solved my problems because, because I saw it. Mm -hmm. I saw it recruiting. I saw the way they did onboarding. I just operated. I inter interviewed tons of, I, I would talk to the director. I would talk to this guy. I would, you know, I visited bootcamps then in the U.S. while I was in Mexico, actually. But yeah, I had seen that. So I had, I knew the stories and I was trying to just replicate it in Mexico. So I, I had seen kind of this thing. So I knew sort of at least a roadmap of, let's say, a year of where I thought things would have to be. At. Okay. And I had seen an operation happening. Right. And then I brought this, you know, I brought this uh, instructors from the U.S. to help me create curriculum. And, 
and yeah, uh, recruiting was hard. Yeah, one thing. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, finding the right first instructor Mexican that had never done this uh, was really hard. Yeah, that was those. Did people in Mexico understand your vision since there really wasn't something like that there and they had not been into a boot camp? Yeah, that's a great question. Some people did, many people didn't, especially potential clients. Right. I mean, afterwards, after like a year, then we had tons of leads or even less. But at the beginning, people were like, in three what do you mean I need to quit my job? <laughs> because because that's what they had to do because it was a full-time boot camp I, I believed in the full-time versus part-time part-time I felt like people were not you know in it enough and you could not work uh, uh, enough in it I think for Mexico for, for countries where you know just people just need to receive money like and there's no financial options and all this stuff maybe it is it is a better option I can see that and look I think it's also a very big mindset shift for people who come from places like where we come from It's a big risk, and I don't think that we are very risk um, risky people. <laughs> risk seeking, yeah. And then, then also, it's like there's the companies and there's the people that we're gonna finance them, right? <clears throat> people that we're gonna finance these students, so hard. Yeah, I can imagine. I think we're lucky to actually find somebody to 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 be on board uh, to try because in the end, the problem was they they were not approving many of them. But many of them were like, what are you talking about? Three months and then I'm not going to see this person that owes me $4,000. Uh, no, you know, like, what are you like? No, like, yeah. and then, and then company employing, you know, a new, new, um, new developers that had started for three months. Yeah. That was also hard, but startups, startups got it much better Yeah, because, you know, like more fresher developers that kind of had seen, knew that the model existed in the U S knew the stories. But yeah, a lot. Of, one of the biggest challenges now going to a much higher level again about the businesses is the evangelization of the model. So when you when you're introducing a, a model into into a, a market that is not well known, you're educating everybody and you're opening up the the, the way for everybody that's behind. I was I was, we were just the second bootcamp uh, that was full time. It's so crazy. Yeah, I can I, I can imagine that. So you're not doing that anymore. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, so so the company, um, well, I decided to stop it along with my partner. The, the, the reasons were, one was, I just can summarize it in traction. Now that traction, the, the thing behind the traction was students could not get good financing for them to, to join us, even though we had tons of people interested. So that's one. The second one is, because of that one problem, we had to start financing students ourselves, and we didn't now more capital. And I was raising from angels because... I didn't want to go to VC because the model was not fully proved yet, proven yet, uh, because of this financing piece that was not actually, actually working well. So went to angels. I had four people that were very interested. Then there were some elections. The president won in, in 2018 or so, where he was starting canceling the airport, and people were very nervous. I stopped hearing from them. Yeah, I wanna I wanna point this out because I think this is it happens everywhere where or many, many places where elections paralyze or make things slower. But I have never, like I was, when I graduated college in Mexico, it was an election year and things really stopped. Like people get really anxious. Yeah. And, and this one was kind of a big shift politically for Mexico as well. Uh, and then the cancellation of this huge airport that was for Amazing project of thirty percent done. People, investors were nervous generally, and then Mexican ones probably more. 
there's kind of a, a little wheel. So, so that's the second one. And then the third one that, you know, ended up actually, you know, being quite, quite uh, important was that I could have raised money from, from friends and family that were very, very close to me that had tried to, you know, give me money and I had said no. And then, and then I said yes. And then my friend, I had a call with my friend. I was like, okay, if you take this money and you go for another 10 months and then you raise VC, would you stay in Mexico for another seven years? And by that point, I had been back in Mexico for three. And I said, and I said, no, I was very clear. It was actually very clear because I guess because, you know, seeing the hustle, basically things are just more difficult to, to do than in, in the places where I've been in my professional life, to close a deal, to, to, to get people to respond to you, to things like that. Then, then the, the time wasted in the car in Mexico City. Of course, I had some burnout, but, but then, you know, everything what that was happening politically in Mexico as well. So, you know, if when I was in Korea, I had thought, yeah, I don't want to raise children in Mexico. I know that, but I'm willing to go back to Mexico for 10 years. Then, you know, I, I make this company work well, and then I'm going to, you know, leave and run it from outside or find somebody to run it or whatever. So I, that was in my sort of like high level thing. After being back for three, I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe not, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that kind of paired up with everything. And of course, I was in a moment of, of you know, working like crazy and all this stuff. So I'm sure that's, that's kind of also there. Um, but yeah, so, so then I decided to stop it and it was, yeah, it was crazy. I spoke to, to my partner. She was just very understanding. I mean, she, she was seeing all the problems we were having with this financing thing as well. And the fact that we didn't have, didn't have, you know, immediate money to, to help us. And we had also decided to stop investing in it. And she and I, like, we, we had our cap and, and that was it. So we respected that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We tried to find somebody to take it over. There was this, this family, this family office interested in this guy that I was going to partner with. They were almost there, but in the end they, say, they said no. So I had to tell, you know, the employees and the students, and I remember almost crying, <laughs> to, you know, that to telling, telling people, and especially in the last, the, the graduation of the last cohort, oh my God, I was like, because every time I, you know, I give this speech of like, you know, you know, like, you know, motivating people, like whatever, like the close, the last class or whatever. Yeah, that was quite crazy. And then from there, I was also kind of starting this this personal journey about whoa. I I think that's that's a time where I actually felt the whoa versus the the career to to starting a company. There I was like boom, going going going. Once I switched, I switched to to this is the time to start a company. I just started going, but this time I don't know. I also had broken up with my girlfriend, so a lot of things internally were just moving. I was realizing that this this project of my life, you know, a lot of my files were called Project Life, you know, about about this project. It was actually what I was. It was actually I felt like it was kind of my calling, you know, uh-huh. and that and that I had everything that I had everything to make it successful because I was, you know, I had all this uh, education and I had the contacts and it was good for the country and it made sense for for companies because they needed developers. Um, but it, but this was, in the end, this was this was in my mind, right? Uh, but, but what was internally is that everything I had tried to do before I had achieved. <laughs> and this one, I was kind of realizing that, that it had not worked out. So that's when I was like, yeah, that's when I was really starting to feel like in a place I've never been, 
basically internally. It's my ex-girlfriend. After after like a month of breaking up, she sent me she sent me this book that she said something like, you know, we had to have good closure and everything a month before, but then she sends me this book one day out of nothing. Hey, you know, I read I read this when I feel like in difficult times or something like that, and I thought of you or something like this. And she sent me this 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 book, right? And I start I start reading. It starts about this guy that kind of changes his life, basically. So. It was all internal reflection. And then I actually gave that book to, to to the two people that used to work for me. Yeah, then with this whole internal reflection, I decided to just like let my let myself be, like you said the other day. That's the first time. And and I'm sure like this this book just just came in the, in the right time. And I really started opening up to 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 messages from from other places. And I scratched my plan B. I've always had a plan. I've always, you know, I've always been a planner. And so I said, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. And I scratched the plan B, which was to move to Austin and work in tech. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm just, I'm just going to let it be. Like, really. I want to go into so many things. First, what's the name of the book? The Saint, the Surfer, and the CEO by Robin. I want to read that. Thanks for sharing that because it's, I wanted to talk to someone that had started a company and stopped or like at some point, you know, like decided to walk away because I think we hear the big successes when people start companies, but those are the 0.01%. I I don't know the math, but like. Right. Like it's, it's not the big, the big numbers, right? Like most things don't necessarily go as planned. And so I actually really like that you had that very strong gut reaction to like, are you going to live in Mexico for the next 10 years? Because I feel like when you have those strong reactions to things, you like, those are true. (laughs) There's no doubt about something. But then you had to go through this whole process and of thinking, you know, the business isn't working and is this what I want to do with my life? And is this where I want to raise children? Is this when I want to do this other thing? It can be dark, right? Like, I think it's a process of grief going through the whole thing. Well, the, the, there's there's something that, there that makes it easy for me. And it's the fact that I've, I've heard this in, in, in my house forever. So my dad wanted to move out of Mexico when we were 12. We he moved to Chile basically, and he was like, "I'm done with this country after '94." So a big project of his like went down because of the '94 crisis. So I always heard it there. The reason we ended up we didn't move because we were going to move is that my mom in the end said, "You know what? I can't." Like last minute, we had schools, we had in there, we had house, everything, and my dad's back. And then he confessed his. Back of my plan was to like we're staying here forever, but the plan initially was two years. I, think. I had heard all these things about kind of negative comments, honestly, about Mexico for a while. Sometimes positive. I mean, I, and definitely culturally wise, you know, cultural, you know, food, people, great. But as a country, as you know, security, as things that work, all this stuff, always heard those kinds of things. And in the end, that's why my parents supported me to go do school in the U.S. So. In my mind, it was that part was not that that hard. It was okay. it was like okay. In the end, I actually had the conclusion for myself. Ten years later, it was more in the short term. I was like, shit, you know what? Like doing business 
no, like the way things work and also yeah. you mix a lot of things socially as well and corruption. I saw corruption as well with, with my story, even though I was tiny, I saw it. It wasn't like I thought, no, people told me, yeah, this is what's going on and this is why you didn't get into that program. Oh. I was like, what? Like even, even in this like startup world, you know, where the government is yeah, supposed to like be supporting the entrepreneurs and this and that. No, no, people hire consultants to like make it, make you win those contests kind of, or, or get into those programs kind of thing. And people told me like, yeah, people told me that have, were kind of inside. So why did you scratch your plan B? Because I, I decided to question everything myself. Can you elaborate on how you started? First, why did you decide to question everything? It's been interesting interviewing people because everyone's like, I decided to question everything. Some people are like about myself and my life. Some people have told me I've questioned everything, including what is God, which is, it's really interesting. And that's how I feel. Again, I'm like feeling like I'm in a midlife crisis. But what were those questions that you had in your mind? Well, I think at the beginning was, a certain degree of, of self-criticism in terms of like, wh why have I been putting so much pressure on myself? Which I thought I had gone through when I was in college, by the way. <laughs> there it was again, right? I'm, it's probably going to happen all the time. I mean, yeah, it still does. Um, so that was one. And it was like, I, I just started thinking things like, why did it, why was I so demanding with people, you know? yeah, when I was doing this, I was, I had this vision and honestly, I felt like I, I, I needed to have this added, this Steve Jobs like attitude and, you know, I'm definitely not like naturally like, like him from what I've read about him. And I, I had read, you know, his biography, Elon Musk biography and this and that, but yeah, the way I thought, you know, I had this kind of this solution for the country you know i, I wanted i was going to impact education in mexico in, in a big way and and i think but moving forward I, i've i probably you know thought that i was you know arrogant with people and like very controlling with with employees sometimes about the way things had to be done and um yeah i mean i, I was very i was i was very hard but coming from a, a way that we are helping, like we are helping the country and we're helping people with this. So this is what we're doing kind of thing. So yeah, first, I think first it was this kind of kind of self uh, criticism. Yeah, the other one was like putting all these expectations on myself, you know, like this is going to work out because of the reasons that, that I talked about before. And just assuming that it was going to work out. And... Yeah, so 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 I first started there, and then and then I guess the, the deeper question was like, why have I been doing the things I I have been doing, you know? Because I always followed the sort of this uh, kind of like by the book, not by the book, but like what was expected of me, and I was sort of reflecting like, like why why did I did I did I make a mistake? Like, you know, should I have become an person or when I was in college when I thought about it kind of thing. And so that's why, I think that's why I decided to, to, to pause full, full stop. The good thing is that I had a good amount of savings and I knew I could do it. And in Mexico, like something that it costs versus I'd always earned in dollars and this and that. And so I, I was okay in that sense. I had no problem. But yeah, that's why. 
that's why I did it. A, it takes a lot of courage to ask those questions. And I think it takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to answer them. And self-awareness you gain. I don't think it's something you have or don't. You work on it. Yeah. Did you ever question what would make you happy? Or did you already know? I, I didn't think I was unhappy. Hmm. I mean, I thought about happiness a lot. Okay. Uh, and, and I've actually thought about it very deeply that year that came after. But at that moment, at that moment, I wasn't thinking about happiness, honestly. I, I was just thinking about, am I being too hard on myself? I think that's around the time when I was reading Principles from Ray Dalio. And at the beginning, he talks about how he's met, you know, he's been really successful. You know, Ray, Ray Dalio, you, you know who he is, right? Oh, so he's the, 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 the head of um, the biggest hedge fund in the world, Bridgewater Associates. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, he's been really successful and he said, I've met, I mean, I've met, you name it, who I've met. And you know what? The people that are the most impressive are the ones that actually have aligned their life to their true nature. Ooh. So my purpose of 20, of, of that year was to figure out my true nature. I, I remember going into a, a Temascal, you know, well, I love those. <laughs> And then I, that's when I was reading it. And I think the Temascal, they ask you, like, so what's your purpose of doing the Temascal? I was like, to figure out my true nature. I don't know if I've really figured it out or not, but I'm, I'm, I'm better. Um, yeah, I guess in that, in that sense, I, that's what I was questioning more about, about happiness precisely. I wasn't questioning it, it yet. I think the question of what's your true nature is harder than what makes you happy. Yeah, I don't know. How did you try to discover that? Like you did the Temascal. Were there any other things that you were like, let me see? And 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 you and I talked about it. So you, I know that after you closed down the company, you knew you were yeah. going to, you were questioning everything. You went back to opera, which has been your passion, I would say, from always. So was that also a way of like trying to find that? Or like what other things did you do in that time frame, I guess? What I did was creative stuff and I'll, t I'll go into it but what I did in that whole year was first uh I just traveled here and there you know I had told myself I would go back to Korea so I went to Korea and then I traveled in Europe for, for a bit so let's say three months of traveling I did a I did a, a meditation retreat that I kind of like accidentally arrived into it and nothing I happens by accident <laughs> right uh yeah, and, and this guide in, in Yucatan said that, I think. And yeah, I think everything was, you know, all these, all these things were just coming together during that time. So yeah, I did that. And then, and then yeah, I think that the very conscious decision of exploration, and it was part exploration, but part just letting myself be, honestly, like, um, was all this creative stuff. And the first thing was, to enroll in a in a writing class. So I mean, it wasn't anything too crazy. It was a master class actually. But I guess master class at the beginning they were more. They had a workbook like you actually did your thing, and I did all the homeworks and everything. And it was with a, with a famous writer. Yeah, so that was one. The other one was enrolling in an acting class. The acting class was it had always kind of been there because when I was when I was like five, I wanted to be on stage. That's what I wanted to be, singing and dancing on stage, like Onda Vaselina. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to be part of 
beyond the Vaseline Awards 10. And a friend of mine had a contact with Julissa, the producer, and he had auditioned. And I think he was kind of like a sub. I wanted to audition and my mom didn't let me do it because she said, you know, no way like this, this, you know, this, this crazy environment of drugs, blah, blah, blah. That was her thing. And, um, which, yeah, which of course you can question, but <laughs> that was her thing. And of course, you know, I accepted it. And then, so it was always there, right? Uh, I remember wanting to instruments in high school, but I never really did it. I tried to know in theater, but it conflicted with soccer. Anyway, so I knew that I was there. So I just enrolled and I said, hey, if I, if I wanna, I, I, I was already singing here and there, like in, you know, small things. But in, in, in Korea, I was ta- taking singing lessons with a, with a great teacher that, that would, you know, then make you do this fancy family recitals, like three, three songs or something. And then in the graduation of LBS, I sang also, you know, at, at this context and that thing and this and that. So, and I knew I loved it. And then at Samsung, I did one thing as well. So I wanted, you know, my, I think by then I knew that my objective and I still have it is to be on stage singing crew with an opera crew. I don't care if I'm like part of a choir, like I don't care, but I want to do that. I said, well, actually acting would also be great, great to have if I want to do that at some point. So that's why I started acting. And then the singing came a little later, maybe three months later, where I said, yeah, let me just do, do singing again. And I started doing it, I guess, more methodically, learning actual sight reading music together with the voice. So yeah, what I did was just that that exploration. And and I think what changed, uh, the, the reason, uh, maybe I mentioned it, but the first time I got to that singing class with this new, new teacher in Mexico, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I will, maybe I will become a singer. You know, I don't know, but, but I, I want to explore it seriously. And then, you know, then, then actually COVID started and then, uh, yeah, I got into life coaching also because, you know, I've always wanted, liked having deep conversations with people and my mentor from MOOCTEC, my company, he was an LBS grad that, you know, very similar profile to me, like, you know, ex-consultant, but director of the, the Vienna Concert House, oh, wow. classical music, singer, singer by training, but then did LBS. He had told me about doing uh, uh, coaching with him because he was starting this coaching certification. It's right at the time when I was starting my whole writing thing, I was like, that's funny he's asking me. I kind of have thought about it, you know, but I didn't have time. But then, you know, seven months later, uh, maybe two more people in conversations tell me, hey, have you thought about coaching? And so I decided to enroll in a course and I think in, and then I hired a coach and then in my coaching sessions we this, you know, there was this, you, you start thinking about what's most important and how you're doing in your different parts of your life and this and that. And one of the things that came out now that COVID, COVID was there, the market was going down and I was like, okay, you know, now I, I still have savings and stuff, but I kind of feel like I just want to receive cash. And, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was a bit pr- practical, the fact that you know, the, this whole thing about singing felt hard. I don't even know, but I, it was, it was fine. So, and I was still taking singing, by the way, loved it and still love it. But then, yeah, then I said, okay, well, to gain cash, you know, I'll do what more quickly is going to bring me cash, which, which was, I had done consulting, I had done the strategy and I had done education. So I started doing, uh, consulting for, uh, people, uh, ed tech or tech companies trying to enter the country and then i would was going to add the life coaching on top of it and that was kind of the plan mm. and then one year later 
<laughs> I come to Houston for a weekend and I realize like, what the hell am I doing in Mexico? <laughs> and then, and then I'm like, okay, so this is actually like, this is very important at this stage of my life because it's, if I want to do it later, it's going to be harder. It's not like, it's not like, oh my God, I couldn't be, I, I was having a good life in Mexico, right. honestly. And, and it's actually cheaper to try to start your own thing there. I was starting this consulting business, you know, maybe later I could have done a start, whatever. That was, that was fine. And, you know, in the pandemic, I spent a month in Oaxaca. There's so many great things, but strategically, if, and by the time, by that time, this, this whole, you know, um, change of both party had happened and I, you know, the things I was seeing politically, I just, for the first time, this is, this is for me the first time that I said, you know what, I actually, I, I might be wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but I actually don't believe in the future of the country. Ah. And I'm still, it's very strong and I feel, you know, sometimes I, I say it and I, I feel like yeah, this sounds terrible and yeah, some people might uh, uh, not like it, especially my friends. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's when I actually really, really thought about that piece. Before it was just my family telling me, oh, things in Mexico are that time I actually did analyze it very carefully and wrote down everything I thought very consciously. And I said, okay, so, so this is actually a thing and, and it makes sense to do it now because later I can always come back if I'm wrong, you know, things are going great in Mexico. Hey, I come back and I, I still have the network. I can do things, right. but it's the opposite. It's going to be harder. And I thought that was a higher priority than where, where I was and in what system I was around versus uh what i was doing you know versus my career so i just i just moved it on the priority list and i had worked a lot with my coach about you know priority in terms of like finding a, a couple you know your work like your friends and family where how are all these things and and what's important to you and where what are you going to have the top of mind so i just made that the, the, the highest priority and i switched everything into how do i move and where and yeah you said and this was a little bit ago where you said should I do opera like I thought I should, like you thought about it in college? Did you not do it in college because of the aspect of it being a creative field and have make a living? Yeah. And what, I'm, what, I'm, what are my parents going to yeah. say? And they're paying all this money for this very expensive university. And, and, and also, I did, I did think one more thing. I also thought it was it was too late because you see all this all the actual musicians they start when they're yeah. kids. I was like, okay, it's it, it's late and boom, this I think you I think I thought. And so in that year when you're doing more of this creative exploration and trying to figure out like what's my nature and what are my priorities and what are the things that you know why have I been this way with myself and what I would say why haven't I had more compassion with myself which is what I. Thing it yeah. kind of boils down to. It seems like you were going like, you know what? Fuck this. This is what I kind of wanted to do. Let me try and do it. Until the moment where you were like, okay, maybe I should do something else. Like, eh. so you know what? I think it's just about having the feeling of having the freedom of, hey, I, I was there and I wasn't about, about what people would say or what my parents would think. Very funny. Being there for a little bit, and then. You get this freedom of actually you're thinking about things for yourself and not because of the expectation of somebody else. And so I don't even remember like saying, oh my God, I'm not going to be an person. I'm not going to support. No, you know what? It's kind of like clear for me that 
yeah, you know, I want to receive this amount of money. Like, so I want to actually the, the, the coaching, the coaching is something that I, that I, that I still will, yeah, it could be a little more like stronger for me because, because I remember loving it. And I remember it was also going to be hard to build a business in coaching. Uh, but I was more there. Like if I had stayed in Mexico, I would have continued to try to move the consulting combine it with coaching and do a lot of coaching because I really love that. But the, but the opera, I, yeah, I guess at some point I just kind of was, okay, okay, yeah, I tried it and I was, and I was there exploring it for real. It wa- I wasn't afraid of something else. And it's just, I think I just had to go over that liberation of, 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 of saying, yeah, I actually, I was there and maybe, maybe that's it. Honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't like fully anal- analyzed. Like, this is probably why it was good. Yeah. Did you feel like you got closer or did you actually figure out what was your nature? Definitely got closer. So I definitely described that, um, discovered that, that, yeah, this creative side is a thing for me. Before, no. Uh, the only thing I knew when I was in consulting is that I, I kind of knew that I liked writing emails in a structured way. And and, and I thought that was powerful. And, that, and, and I had some feedback about uh, me being really good with relationships, like from, from very, very early training. Uh, but I didn't think about myself at all about as somebody creative. Yeah, somebody that could do art, like, <laughs> you know, so, so, so that I know now. Um, and I know that I will not stop nurturing that part of me in, in the sense I will not stop taking voice lessons or or potentially writing again you know I, I wrote a short story and published it I, I started another one that you know in the end like, you, you can't do everything right but uh but yeah that 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 piece and then and then even at work like sometimes letting yourself be in that freedom of uncertainty and we some of these things yeah we might have to do a little bit because of gut feeling it's okay versus my training and actually assumptions about myself of being like very structured and and decisions etc and now i find myself sometimes needing to do more of the analysis just kind of funny but have you thought of and this i guess this goes to the analytical side which is probably not the right question for this but have you thought of how to incorporate that creative side into your life. The reason I ask, and just to give you some context on this, I also identify someone who has right, left and right brain. Like I think I'm a creative person. I love writing, by the way. I'm doing this podcast. I'm having so much fun. I, people have told me like I look very much happier than I did before. And I think it's, it is because I am nurturing this creative side that I wasn't. But I'm dead scared that once I have to like actually look for a job, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to like pull both sides together in a way. And I don't know if that's something that you have felt or have thought about how you would have them coexist, bring together, not bring together, just keep them on the side, but make sure you make time for it. Like, have you thought about it? Well, I mean, I think the first question for you is, is, is why are you assuming that you're going to have to look for a job? Because I'm going to need an income. <laughs> yeah, but you could, you could create it. You could... That's true. Uh, yeah, you will have to invest like some time life but but it's not the only pathways that, that. so yeah i'm sorry i, I kind of focused on like uh, uh, <laughs> what, what were you asking me 
when you think about what's next or when you think about the future, do you think of it as like, I'm going to bring a lot of this creative side and that's going to be a big aspect of my life? I'm going to try and put those together or am I going to like, what what role will that play? Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, in, in, the, in the whatever comes to mind when we say creative can be different for different people. So, so I now discover that I, I like building things that don't exist. And there's many ways in which you can build things that don't exist. You, it can be from, yeah, being in a company and build a new organization, build a new, start with a new project that you propose and that becomes something something bigger, which is, is one side. And I'm not saying that that's what I want to do, but but just, just to talk about the, this creative thing, we use our creative side in many ways that, does, that doesn't necessarily have to be uh, doing art or, you know, uh, so, so, so that's the way I think about it today. Um, and I think about this, uh, the artistic side that, that is more feeling my, my spirit as something that I do on the side. Yeah. Uh, so the, now I just joined a choir finally in Houston. So every time I move, I wait a little bit and then I join something. I finally joined after one and a half years of being here. Uh, you have no idea the, the, the great feeling that comes with it. And, and I guess now, uh, I get that from there, but when I when I'm, you know, doing things on the day to day and stuff, I, I'm a little freer around letting things sort of be different than the expectation, uh, or propose to do something new that 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 it, it's ambiguous and you don't you can't even describe it, but just going and and starting it, uh, that be, that feels to me like like I'm using my creative side because because yeah, you're creating something that doesn't exist, right? So. So it, it does it does require that and and and, and uh, yeah to 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 let let it be without knowing what's it gonna be it's just like what an artist would tell you about a, a painting right they they will say you know I don't know how it, this is gonna like but I just started you know I, I feel like I've heard that many so I think that that can that can that can live in a in in a, in a professional life that that is outside of of the arts. In some way, but I, but I, I'm convinced that the whole, that, that the way the arts feed your spirit, I think it's just the arts. Yeah, some some of the feeling. I think everybody has it, and I think everybody should do it, because it's it's kind of like listening to music. I think we all get it with listening to music. Sometimes when you listen to music, you get this feeling, right? Like you get this feeling. Some music gives you something. Yep. You know that that you cannot that you cannot really describe, or you can. You know, and and that is, I think it's feeding our spirit. And I think when you create in, in an artistic way, that's what it's giving you. Mm. Yeah. I really like that. You said before, you now feel like you're questioning happiness more. So I kind of want you to, to, to explain that to me now. So I, I question it a lot during during that one year. Right. So a little later from, from the time when we were talking about uh, of making the decision to let go or to like, not have a plan kind of thing. So, yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I just, I just kind of created my own like Mas Maslow like pyramid of needs. <laughs> Love it. I think, I think it's very similar. But I, I used to have it like in front of my, in front of my, my, my desk in Mexico. So that's why I thought about it a lot. So for me, this is what a person needs. Mm -hmm. Providing the ingredients for happiness, but. But basically, you know, of course, at, at the at the at the basis, you need to have the, the basic needs, right? You know, you know, shelter, food, health, security. 
On the second level, you need to be close to people that you love and people that love you. And on the third level, you need to be, you need to feel useful to the world. Mm -hmm. And and this is where the self fulfillment and creation and 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 that thing comes up. Uh, I'm not touching there anything related to to, to spirituality. Actually, I on the last yeah. one on the last one there is something about about spirituality, but then on that side, I, and I thought about this totally independently. We need to have faith. Okay. In 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 whatever I don't care what it is. Uh, but it's something bigger that we don't know about because because we cannot explain the universe. So it's, it's, it's kind of in front of us that there that there's there's something bigger and it can be whatever story because every religion is one story, right? But that I think having faith on something on nature on the world on whatever does give you something, some support, something. Um, uh, together with people and community, which which I already I did talk about it, but, but there's this spiritual side about something outside of us that I think is also is also kind of a human like need or thing. You know, if you have those, then then I think you're good. You know, like yeah, you you can think about like the psychology of a person and 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 being healthy psychologically in some ways. Yeah, sure, because you can have all of these, but if you have some something that's turned around psychologically then you're not going to see all the things you have or something like that. I guess I'm assuming that on the, on the health. But yeah, that, that's, what, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, I get that. And the reason I laughed is because you said you had that, the pyramid posted in front of your desk. Yeah. For years, I had a post-it note in front of my desk that said, I, the only thing it said was, we all want to belong, which is uh -huh. part of the basic needs. And so it made me laugh. Yeah. But it's, it's I, I get that. Fine. Thank you for being so open and for talking about things. Thanks for listening to Should I Just Quit My Job? We're here every week with more stories of change, reinvention, and the messy middle. If you like this show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And share with your friends. If you didn't like the show, then that's okay. You don't need to rate or review. <laughs> Thanks again for listening.